Chapter Sixteen of From Tangier to Tripoli by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. An Exiled African Queen. Once the ruler of the third largest island of the world, a country bigger than France, twice as large as Italy, and more than three times as big as New England, the beloved queen of more than four million people, with all the money she could spend an army of her own the most brilliant royal court south of the equator and all that she could wish for in the way of luxury pomp and power to-day deposed from her throne a pensioner on the bounty of the french government an exile in the hands of her conquerors watched always by spies and guarded by a muscular french woman who controls her conversations and actions such is the present condition of rana valona the third the famed queen of madagascar by whom i was granted the honor of an audience to-day her name rana valona is an imperial cognomen meaning the granddaughter of god she comes of the royal family which ruled madagascar for many years she is a descendant of radama i who became king of all madagascar in eighteen ten he was a chief of the hovas one of the largest and most civilized tribes of the island who after conquering many of the other tribes formed a union with the sakalavas by marrying rosalimo a sakalava princess king radama was the first to introduce our civilization into madagascar he welcomed the missionaries and as far back as eighteen twenty introduced protestant christianity among the hovas during his reign schools were established churches were built the bible was printed in the malagasy language and numbers of the people were converted after his death one of his wives rana valona i assumed the throne she opposed the missionaries but her son radama ii again gave the people full religious liberty and after him queen rana valona ii the aunt of this queen carried on the good work she was succeeded by the woman i talked with to-day who was at that time only a young girl i think she is a widow for according to custom when she took the throne she married the prime minister who was then seventy years old and who must have died long ago when rana valona was crowned she made a change in the coronation ceremonies of the country other monarchs had always been attended by soldiers she made school children her chief guard of honor she had picked out five hundred boys and four hundred girls from the chief schools of tananarivo her capital and all the scholars with their teachers had excellent places to see the ceremony the day before the schoolboys drilled and went through their spear and shield exercises in her presence and at the time of the coronation she was attended by regiments of boys in uniform and troops of girls dressed in white the queen when i met her to-day wore a plain black silk skirt with a blouse of white silk beautifully embroidered she had at her throat a star of diamonds set in old silver while about her neck was a gold chain as big around as your little finger her clothes were like those of any american lady might wear when receiving afternoon callers being neither extravagant nor striking in any way when rana valona was crowned she wore a white brocaded silk robe heavy with gold with a train of crimson velvet embroidered in gold she wore a large gold crown of peculiar design 
which fairly sparkled with jewels she is said still to have many beautiful jewels in fact when she left the island of reunion to which she was first banished the statement was made that the precious stones she took with her were worth more than two million dollars as the crown rested upon the queen's head the people fell upon their knees and then burst forth into a shout of applause while the soldiers flourished their spears and the cannon roared there were cheers upon cheers from the boys and girls and from the two hundred thousand natives said to have been present after that the queen made a speech to her people she used bible quotations throughout her address saying among other things the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and righteousness exalteth a nation she promised to defend her country and stand up like a man with her people against any one who might attempt to take even a hair's breadth of it she urged her subjects to obey the laws and said that she expected to obey them herself closing her statement with the words i wish no one's life to be taken whoever forsakes the paths of righteousness walks in the paths of darkness is it not so o oh my people that was the way that rana valona started she kept up her good work but nevertheless got into trouble with the french who had long proclaimed their right to the protection of madagascar war ensued and at a cost of many millions of dollars the french were at last victorious they kept the queen for a time on the throne but finding she could not maintain order under the changed conditions they finally took entire possession of the government at this time they treated rana valona rather harshly instead of calling upon her the general of the french army made the queen call upon him when she did so it was to request that he be kind to her people and to say that she knew he would treat them well shortly after this rana valona was taken away from the capital and exiled to the island of reunion where she remained until she was brought first to france and then here to algiers upon arriving at marseilles she had expected to go directly to paris she was delighted with the idea of seeing the parisian capital and when she was told that she must again cross the mediterranean to an exile home this time in algeria she is said to have burst into a flood of tears crying who is certain of tomorrow only yesterday i was a queen today i am simply an unhappy broken-hearted woman however that may have been the woman i saw today bore no marks of sorrow and has i judge become reconciled to her situation she may be a captive but she has a gilded cage and sufficient money to satisfy all her wants the french supply her with one of the finest villas of algiers she has horses and carriages gives receptions and dinners and holds a little court of her own her captors allow her enough money on which to live comfortably and she is permitted to go to paris for a month every summer it was through a card of introduction from the american consul that i met queen rana valona i took an interpreter with me and in a carriage climbed the winding ways which lead from the sea to the villas of mustafa superior on the height above the harbor here surrounded by great hotels and magnificent homes the former queen lives with her aunt her niece and a frenchwoman who is called her companion but who is really a guard nominally she goes where she pleases but really she is closely watched by the government her every motion and every word being reported when i first presented my letter the servant came back with the statement 
that her majesty could not receive me as madame de pre was not present and the queen was not allowed to hold any conversation with strangers in her absence ranavalona later sent word however that she would be glad to see me at ten o'clock when i called again i first met madame de pre i was admitted to the villa by a maid-servant and waited for a while in the reception-room at the right of the entrance where two paris hats and two parasols of lavender and rose pink which hung on the rack showed that the ladies were home when madame de pre entered my interpreter performed the introduction and i presented my request for an interview the madame replied that i could have an audience with her majesty although it was contrary to her custom to receive newspaper correspondence she gave me to understand that the queen would not talk about politics and her own country and from the way she uttered the words i saw that she meant them the lady then led the way into the parlor a large room floored with blue tiles and containing many sofas and chairs upholstered in fine white satin we had hardly taken our seats before rana valona entered her aunt who was with her remained during the audience i arose as her majesty came in and madame de pre introduced me the queen shook my hand looking me straight in the eyes as she bade me welcome she has a very small hand and large and beautiful eyes she is a fine-looking woman who appears much younger than she actually is she has a high and rather full forehead a long somewhat thin face and rather full lips although they are by no means so thick as those of a negro her complexion is of a chocolate brown it seems to me that her features are almost typically malaysian her hair which is jet black is straight rather than curly and is put up in a great knot on the top of her head i have already described her dress of a simple paris-made white silk blouse and black skirt and have referred to the plainness of her ornaments her manners were as simple as her dress being entirely free from ostentation of any kind in fact her every act was that of a well-bred society lady and her soft low voice that of the drawing-room motioning me to a chair she sat down on another near by i opened the conversation by telling her that i had written a book for the american public school children about the islands of the seas in which i had described madagascar and that i would take pleasure in sending her a copy i then showed her some photographs which the governor-general of madagascar had sent me to illustrate this book she looked over the pictures and at once became interested her eyes lighting up with pleasure as she recognized her far-away island home and the various types among its people ah that was my palace she said as she held out a photograph of tananarivo the capital of madagascar and pointed to a building in the center rising high over the others upon which the french flag was floating and these are hovas she continued as she picked up another showing a family of well-dressed colored people and those sakalavas as she looked at a third a group of blacks with features like negroes each picture brought out some remark and before either she or her aunt was aware of it they were talking quite freely meantime the french madam looked rather sour and when i put a direct question as to how her majesty liked the change from madagascar to algeria she gave a sign and the queen replied that she could not answer that and that she would prefer to say nothing more about her own country 
as the french government objected to her discussing such matters a moment later when for some reason madame de pre was called out the queen's aunt said that no conversation could go on until she returned interpreting this to mean political conversation i said a word or two about the weather asking the queen how she liked the climate of algeria to this she replied it does not much matter i have to like it nevertheless it is a very good climate afterwards she spoke of paris and mentioned the pleasure she had in the life there when i suggested that she extend her travels to the other side of the atlantic and visit america she said she thought that she would like to do so but doubted if that would be allowed i had brought a copy of my geographical reader on africa with me and made her a present of it saying that its simple language might aid her in her study of english she took the book and looked over the pictures comparing the natives there represented with her own people on that great island not far away from the african coast she told me she found the english language much more difficult to learn than the french ranavalona is a good french scholar and speaks writes and reads that language well during our conversation which was carried on in french she never hesitated for a word or a phrase to express her meaning at the close of the audience i told her that i would consider it a great favor if she would allow me to take a photograph of her as i would like to have a picture made by myself to show to the american people at first she said that she did not think it would be permitted but that she would ask madame de pre and that if there were no objections she would go outside and pose for the camera at this moment her french guardian came in and the question was submitted to her the madame replied that it was all in the hands of her majesty who could do as she pleased upon being assured that the pictures were not for use in algiers rana valona and her aunt went with me into the garden back of the house and she stood in the sun while i made the pictures i had one photograph snapped by my dragoman of myself standing beside the queen i am five feet seven inches in height and the queen is almost a head shorter after taking the photographs i left her majesty again shaking my hand as she said good-bye End of chapter 16